right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win over the Houston Rockets. Final score, 120-100. Stop me if you've heard this before, but the Nuggets played the Rockets at home. This is the second time in a row, and the result was basically the same. Denver had to try for exactly one half in each of these games. Last game, it was the third and the fourth quarter. This game, it was the first and the second quarter. Denver got out to a massive lead in that second quarter. Uh, even like even in the first quarter, they outscored Houston 44 to 24 and then outscored them 30 to 23 in that second quarter to prop up their lead all the way up to 27 points. It was over at that point. There was nobody who was really interested in playing after that. I thought that Kevin Porter Jr., Alperin Shangun, uh, Jabari Smith, they they definitely stuck around, at least for various points, and definitely got up some shots, got up some numbers. I actually was impressed with Deshaun Nix on the Houston Rockets, but you didn't come to hear about Deshaun Nix. You came to hear about Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and the Denver Nuggets, as they once again get a nice, comfortable win where you don't really have to try that hard. Nikola Jokic plays 28 minutes tonight. Jamal Murray plays 31 The starters did have to come back in at the end. It was, I think, debatable as to whether the starters really should have come back in. But let's be honest, Malone got a little bit scared when it came to the Houston Rockets starters coming back and uh, making things difficult on the Nuggets bench, making things a little bit too close to comfort, too close for comfort, excuse me. And so he decided to play it safe, get the starters back in there, make sure that there were no issues whatsoever, and there were no issues whatsoever. That's just sort of how that works. It's hard to play 48 full minutes. We're going to talk about that in the third segment, and I'm going to, I think, opine on both sides of that conversation and that debate as to whether Denver should be playing 48 full minutes more frequently or not. But for now, let's talk about the starters in the first segment, the bench in the second segment, and 48 minutes discussion in the third. Start with Nikola Jokic, who, I got to be honest, was pretty apathetic in this one. Uh, Once it became clear that Denver did not need to try, Jokic was very much of the mind that I do not want to shoot for the majority of this game. Now, Jokic did shoot when it came down to it, and I think in the second half, he had, I think, seven shots as opposed to the two that he had in the first half. I could be wrong about that total, but it was very clear that Jokic didn't really want to shoot that much because he didn't have to. He had 10 assists at halftime, and there was definitely – there was no reason why Denver shouldn't have had more. Uh, KCP missed some shots. uh, Bruce Brown missed some shots in the second half. Aaron Gordon missed a a shot here or there. Jamal Murray missed a shot here or there, but – Honestly, this was a strong offensive performance by Denver and a strong offensive performance by Nikola Jokic, kind of masked by the fact that Denver really shut down in the first, in the second half. Denver scored 46 total points. They scored 44 in the first quarter. Uh, 46 total points in the second half is what I mean. 44 total points in the first quarter. They were absolutely rolling. Jokic was in his bag. He had six assists in the first quarter alone and was just directing traffic extremely well. And that's just what you want him to do. You don't necessarily want him to have to take over and take a bunch of shots. 
He hasn't had to do that a lot this year. Denver's 14 and 7. They are taking care of business. It has not been a big deal in terms of his actual shot numbers when it comes to playing teams like the Houston Rockets. And this has given great opportunities to players like Jamal Murray and Bruce Brown and Aaron Gordon and players of that nature to get up shots that they want to get up and, and need to get up in order to get back into a rhythm and feel good about where the offense kind of stands with everybody involved. Jokic is the straw that stirs the drink. There's no doubt about that. He had some great plays. He had some very flashy plays, uh, some that worked, some that didn't. But the one that really stands out is when he's running in transition, catches a ball from KCP that was going to go out of bounds, but Jokic kind of snags it, doesn't have an angle to shoot, so he throws the ball behind his back, no look, to Bruce Brown in transition who dunks it. And it's just one of those plays that stands out. Very awesome play, no doubt. Like, no look pass. Uh, One of those plays that stands out about just the kind of player that Nikola Jokic is, but also how talented he is with those kinds of passes. He doesn't need to look. He knows exactly where the guys are. And there were some passes tonight where he was passing to a spot, and most of the time Denver's guys were there, and so they got open shots out of it. They got open opportunities out of it. There were some nice back cuts. There were some nice opportunities to hit open threes. And Jokic, more often than not, just made the extra pass, didn't necessarily want to shoot a ton, and got everybody involved as a result. Uh, Murray had 26. Brown had 28. Aaron Gordon had 20. KCP attempted just seven shots and uh, made two of them. So he probably could have been better in general. But I do think that they were trying to get KCP involved. He just wasn't really hitting his shots and they didn't really need to force it. So pretty good offensive night for Nikola Jokic. Defense still not necessarily trying too terribly hard. There were segments of this game where he turned up the intensity a little bit. In that fourth quarter, he did a much better job. Uh, When he came back in, he played like three minutes and was very good defensively in that stretch, kind of shutting down anything that Houston really wanted to do. Pretty sure he blocked Jalen Green. Pretty sure he got a steal in that stretch as well. It just happens that way where he starts playing better defense. He's contesting shots when Denver needs him to, but they didn't really need him to for much of this game. And he's kind of the guy when, when I think Michael Malone is talking about just being locked in for all 48 minutes. It's not just Nikola. Like I think everybody kind of takes their cues a little bit from him though. And Jokic isn't really trying too terribly hard on defense in the first half. And Denver got lucky that Houston was missing a whole bunch of shots, but it was it's one of those things where it does stand out when watching it that Jokic is better on defense than what he's showing right now. Definitely, definitely so. But it's fine. Denver got a big win and Jokic nearly got a triple-double out of it anyway. 12 assists, 9 rebounds, 17 points, 7 of 9 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, hit some threes, uh, had an and one. Uh, Good night for him. I keep mentioning it, but Jamal Murray, he looks all the way back. He looks like a player who is very comfortable in what he's being asked to do. Tonight was very easy for him, just as last game was very easy for him. 26 points in 31 minutes, 9 of 15 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 4 of 5 from the line, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 0 turnovers. He's just in a space where Jokic is kind of the, like he's the straw that stirs the drink. I don't think anybody's going to get there, going to get it twisted there. 
But Murray is the guy that you consistently go to knowing that he can create for himself, but also can create for Nicola in some of these contexts. Murray's averaging, I'm not sure if it's a career high in assists. I was looking at it before, but Murray's averaging a really high number in terms of his assists in general this year. And the points were kind of taking their time because the efficiency was kind of taking its time. But the efficiency is now creeping back. We've got 9 of 15 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 4 of 5 from the line. Those are great numbers. Like he could even be better from the free throw line and not miss one of those free throws. But the more often he puts up that 9 of 15 and 4 of 6 from 3 line, the more his numbers are going to look like they were. They're already really close. I think he's at 44.5% from the field and 38% from three or 37.9. He's really close. He's just like on the precipice, I think, of just kind of being the player that he was. And there are going to be some moments where it's better. There are going to be some moments where it's worse. Denver's going to have to find other ways to rest him throughout the year. But I do think that we're seeing good signs from him. We are seeing this to be a player that Denver can count upon at the highest levels. Now we just need to see it against more elite defenses in general. But to no fault of Murray's own, he's playing the competition that Denver has in front of them. Aaron Gordon, very good today. Uh, Didn't really question any of the shots that he attempted. Thought that he was properly aggressive. Did a good job of getting to the spots that he needed to get to. Denver, they like to, in this case... Uh, Sometimes they will go to him in the post, and there were plenty of times where Jalen Green was guarding Aaron Gordon in the post, and Denver just cleared out the side. They were like, yeah, hey, you go to work. You've got the mismatch. You're good at this. Do your thing. And Gordon got an and one at least once. He drew fouls at least once, and he scored multiple times. It was a really, really good performance from Aaron Gordon, kind of making up for last game where he kind of got into foul trouble, wasn't necessarily fully integrated into what Denver was doing. It was more the Jokic-Murray show. This was spread out. This was a game plan where Denver clearly wanted to get everybody else involved, not just Murray and Jokic. And Murray shined in, in the shot attempts that he had, but so did Gordon. He was very, very good and continues to prove that the start of the season just isn't a fluke for him. He is a quality, quality player. And... There was a time where he was the second best player on the team for a long period of it. I do think that Murray is kind of assuming that mantle once again. Jokic obviously being the the lead guy, Murray being the second guy. But if you told me that Aaron Gordon was the team's third best player, I certainly wouldn't argue with you. I think Michael Porter still has a long way to go in terms of getting back into rhythm, figuring out what he has to do. But in the meantime... Denver has this awesome lineup where you have Bruce Brown at small forward and Aaron Gordon gets to be a little bit more aggressive and it's working. It's absolutely working for him. Denver's having no issues whatsoever. Now they are playing the toughest competition and we're about to see what it looks like when it is a little bit tougher, but count me among the Aaron Gordon believers. He just looks and feels like he belongs. Bruce Brown, I'll talk about him a little bit. 18 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. Very productive, 6 of 13 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3. Got a little bit shot happy towards the end of this game, like in the second half. But in the first half, he was dynamite, just absolutely great on both ends of the floor, did some good things, defending Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green for a lot of it. 
Kevin Porter uh, hit some really impressive shots. Definitely deserves a lot of credit for that. Jalen Green, still not sure what I like for what he's doing right now, but is what it is. Uh, Bruce Brown is making the most of this opportunity. He's playing a whole bunch of minutes. His minutes will get reduced when Michael Porter comes back because Porter's going to go back into the starting lineup and Bruce Brown will go into the six-man role. That's just how the team works. And it's one of the reasons why Denver is still staggering Bruce Brown because they know when Michael Porter comes back, Bruce Brown's going to the bench. That's where he's going to play. So I'm not surprised that they're doing that. But when he's out there with the starters, Bruce Brown, very much a complimentary piece, cutting off ball, spacing the floor, not running a ton of pick and roll, not running a ton of actions individually, but nobody is really. It's it's mostly just Jokic kind of operating with the DHO game, operating with the pick and roll up top, and then sometimes posting up. And that's fine. Like the team works well that way. It's the best version of themselves, but it's good that Bruce Brown can play both versions. He can be a more ball dominant kind of player, somebody who can create with the ball in his hands. And he can also play off ball, cut and space. Finally, KCP, as I mentioned, they tried to get him involved a little bit more in the second half of this game. He had been struggling. He's kind of the only guy who really wasn't getting involved and doing great things on the offensive end. But he being out there like is helpful. There's no doubt about it. Still had two steals and a block, two assists, just one turnover, still a plus eight. It was tied for the, the low on the starters, but 25 minutes, five points, two of seven from the field. Not necessarily a good shooting night. Definitely has had better moments where he's a shooter, but is this a little bit of regression? Maybe. Might be. I do think that he needs to find more ways to be impactful as a two-point scorer because a couple of the possessions that he does have are kind of mid-range jumpers to nowhere and mid-range runners to nowhere where it's not really clear what the best level shot that he can get from those possessions is, or especially where he's coming off of a DHO with Jokic. But I do think that he's kind of navigating his way. He's trying to figure out how he can stay involved when everybody else is as involved as they are. Not really a big deal. There's only so many shots that can go around. He'll make more of them when the time comes. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench guys on the team. We'll be right back. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I love Superbook. I use it. I get involved in all of the odds and the parlays and everything that they have in between. You get opportunities to bet on football, on basketball, on everything, every sport that you want to try. You try your hand at it. You will be very pleased. They will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be around in the stadium, in the arena, wherever to enjoy the sport. Just visit superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Pickaxe and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. 
Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. I've actually seen some people posting their Spotify raps and then ta- tagging me in them when they they share that my podcast is one of their top five or one of the ones that they listen to most, which is super, super cool. I think the largest number of minutes that I've seen somebody post from that is 3,400 minutes where they've tagged me and said that they've listened to me for that long. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much. That is a massive, massive deal. And it really, really does help. And it makes it makes it seem like this is all worth it, that I'm doing something of value. So that's really what everybody, every one of us wants to hear. So thank you so much. All right, let's circle back to the bench. Uh, a little bit of an interesting bench lineup tonight where not necessarily one that I think a lot of people were expecting. Uh, Bones Highland was cleared tonight. He was available to go. He did not play. He was the only player that did not play tonight. DNP coach's decision. Michael Malone spoke about that post game and said, yeah, he's, he, he said that kid has just had it really rough in terms of uh, staying healthy, in terms of trying to stay on the court. And what he said was that he just wanted Bones to be able to get a practice in and that it's just more of a protection thing in terms of trying to get him some practice, trying to get his legs under him, his, his lungs back for playing basketball. Obviously, Bones could have played tonight. He probably would have been good. And Michael Malone knows that he's a big part of things. And he iterated that in the postgame presser today. So nobody, uh, don't get don't get all twisted up about it. Bones is still a big part of things. But Denver has Ish Smith and they're going to use him. And they're, they're going to take advantage of the fact that Ish Smith is one of the better backup point guard options that they've had in a while. And lo and behold, tonight, Instead of Bones, you go with Ish Smith as the primary backup point guard. 23 minutes, plus 19. Denver won the game by 20 points. So they only won the non-Ish Smith minutes by one singular point. That is crazy. That is a crazy, crazy number. And what it says to me is that Denver is still trying to figure out what the best version of their backup, of their backup unit is. Who plays with who? who interacts with who, how does the unit fare. But one thing I do know is that Ish Smith is stepping up into the situation that the Nuggets have needed from him. Did he shoot well tonight? No, absolutely not. He shot three of 10 from the field, but he was a plus 19 because he had six points, seven assists, and zero turnovers. He also had two blocks, and one of those was in the corner where he's sprinting out there from the middle of the floor, sprinting out to the corner to contest a shot and gets his full palm on the ball. He was flying. He was flying through the air. And it's just one of those things where you see hustle plays like that from veterans, especially guys like Ish, who are 6'1", 6'2", and it gives everybody life. It gives everybody energy. And just like when Jokic kind of throws the ball behind his back to a cutting Bruce Brown for a dunk, when Ish Smith blocks somebody, and he got two blocks tonight on the perimeter, it gets the team going. It gets them thinking, man, if Ish Smith, six foot one, six foot two Ish Smith is blocking shots, why shouldn't I? I have no excuse. So everybody gets involved. Everybody plays hard. And this was partially the Faku effect from last year too. But I do think that the way that Ish Smith is running the point 
and is interacting with the players that Denver has, setting guys up really well, both on cuts, on lobs like to DeAndre Jordan, but also to kind of just spacing the floor and running the floor. And I feel like Ish just has a better handle on that and a better grasp on that than what Faku had last year. And that's fine. It wasn't it wasn't meant to be, but I think Ish has really grasped this thing really well. He's a pro, clearly knows what he's doing. And like I said last game, yes, it is the Houston Rockets. I do not want to overreact to this, and nobody else should t- should either. Like Being successful against the Houston Rockets is not an achievement. Denver knows that they have larger goals, and Ish Smith today actually apologized to Michael Malone, saying that, hey, you had to bring the starters back in because I didn't lead the bench unit well enough in that second half to prevent that from happening. And that shows a lot of veteran savvy, a lot of veteran maturity. He knows what his role is, and he wants to fill it. And that is a really, really cool thing, because it's one of those detail things that's going to go throughout the season, and it's one of those things where you're going to look back at some of these 30-point wins that Denver does ultimately have and think, okay, Ish Smith was the difference because that lead was 20, and then it ballooned up to 30 in some of those other cases. That didn't happen tonight. It'll happen in the future. I do firmly believe that. There's no doubt that Denver can get to that place for sure. But good credit to Ish Smith for leading the team really well. Bruce Brown, as I mentioned, was the backup shooting guard. Staggered with from the starters to the second unit. Vlatko was the first guy off the bench. And then Bruce Brown would come back in after that and play the two. And I thought he played reasonably well. There's no doubt that... Bruce plays differently with the starters than he does with the bench, as I mentioned in the first segment, but had some good opportunities where he's driving to the floor. He's driving the the lane. He's driving the gaps in the defense, taking opportunities to uh, hit the open shots that he does get, but also is finding ways to involve other people. And I think that Bruce has proven just how valuable he is to this team. He's probably their sixth best player in terms, and maybe even fifth, depending on how you feel about KCP. But Bruce has just proven to be so useful because they are using him in so many different ways. He played 34 minutes tonight in a 20-point win because the Nuggets were best when he was on the floor. He's doing really good stuff. He plays in a lot of different ways and is functional in so many different contexts. So when I posted my net ratings chart from yesterday, Bruce Brown had the most combinations, maybe not necessarily the most total minutes, but he plays the most both with the starters and the bench and finds ways to be impactful with both. So good stuff from tonight. Hopefully this is a good net rating cleanser because he hadn't had some good net ratings over the course of these past, uh, the first 20 games, basically. He can definitely improve on that. And hopefully this is a good start. Vlatko as I mentioned earlier, came in and was the first sub for Bruce Brown. He played the three while Aaron Gordon played the four. And then Vlatko would slide to the four with that second unit playing next to DeAndre Jordan. The lineup was Ish, Bruce Brown, Davon Reed, Vlatko, and DeAndre. And it was a good lineup, like straight up. It it just had a lot of success. DeAndre Jordan was a plus 14 in his 19 minutes. Credit to him. He has been good 
and done what the Nuggets asked of him. But Vlatko is really one of the big stories here. Had this awesome dunk in transition where he gets the ball, gets the run out in transition, trying to avoid the defender from behind. So he takes off a little bit earlier on his dunk, throws it down, but just like gets it barely over the top of the rim. And then you realize, oh crap, the reason why Vlatko barely got it over the rim was because he basically jumped from the free throw line. He was a step inside. And somebody like Vlatko, him being able to do that is such a big lift because it's one of those unexpected things that the bench, then they just got hyped for. Everybody had their own Vlatko take post game. It was awesome. Definitely a lot of fun to hear about, but I don't think anybody really expected Vlatko to be able to get up that high and to be able to jump that far, but he was able to do it. Was very, very good. Plus 18. Ish Smith led the team at plus 19, but Flacco was right there. 13 points, five of six from the field, five rebounds. Didn't have an assist, but the ball was moving when he was out there. And the Nuggets as a team had 30 assists. And that really stands out as one of the, like, it's definitely good ball movement. And Flacco is absolutely a part of that. Maybe not the part of it, but he's done pretty well. Only had one turnover and it was on an offensive foul. So hard to really blame him too much for that, but did some good things. Hit a transition three in the corner right in front of the Houston Rockets bench where he was just basically falling out of bounds. Caught the ball and just shot it while he was moving out of bounds. It was so cool. Just one of those where that is a pure shooter right there. And it was it was like he's just very impressive at this stage doing a lot of good things, doing a lot of things that the Nuggets were hoping that he could do ever since they drafted him back in 2017. It wasn't just because he was Nikola Jokic's friend at that time. Like They believed that he could do some of this stuff. Kind of believed in him in the same context that Juancho Hernan Gomez was kind of believed in. And honestly, they felt similarly about Tyler Lydon, but you hit on some, definitely miss on others. Flacco seems to me like a guy that can play. Now, maybe it's just because it's the Houston Rockets, but he fared well against the Thunder. He fared well against the Clippers. Finds ways to be successful against a lot of different teams in a lot of different contexts. So hopefully that can continue. I'd love to see him continue to play. He had that list Frank injury last year that really precluded him from having an extended run. But I think that he can do more. I think that this is a good taking off point for him where he can show just how valuable he can be. That's an exciting thing. DeAndre, I mentioned this too, but plus 14 in his 19 minutes, 8 points, 6 rebounds, 3 or 4 from the field. Did some good things. Had a nice pass, had a couple blocks, had a dunk. Uh, Just one of those games where DeAndre just fits into what the Nuggets are doing. He's not in the way. He's not trying too hard to do too much. He just does what his role is, and that's a really great thing. It makes it easier to play with somebody like him than maybe some other guys that you might know at the backup center spot. And then Davon Reed deserves some credit. Not necessarily his best game, but he did hit a three in that fourth quarter. Seven points, two of six from the field, one of four from three. Had a steal, had a block, had a couple rebounds. I thought this was... A better game from him in general. Maybe not the best game overall, but it felt like he was more of a part of things with what the bench was doing. 
did have a drastically different or lower plus minus than some of the other bench guys, but sometimes it's just the context that you fall into. I do think that I would prefer to see Christian Brown, but I'm not really pressed about it. It's game 21 of the season. There will be plenty of opportunities for Christian. All right, good win. Good back-to-back wins for this team. They've won four in a row. How crazy is that? Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss how important playing for 48 minutes really is in the NBA, and especially for Denver. We'll be right back. back final segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in let's wrap this up by talking about 48 minutes of effort and what that really means in the nba at this stage what that means for the nuggets michael malone was really upset in the postgame pressure he wanted denver to show 48 minutes of effort he wanted denver to play a complete game of basketball and he was upset that over the course of the third and the fourth quarter, that the Rockets had kind of whittled down the lead, that it looked like Denver had sort of checked out there, and that Malone is really hoping for Denver to go full bore, that he wants them to play a complete game and play it in the way where you don't necessarily let up at like these various points and let teams back into the game. And I sympathize with him on this for a variety of reasons, but the most of which is that I can still remember the Charlotte Hornets game last year in January, where Denver is up 25 points in that third quarter, and they lose the game. And they lost the game because they lost contact, they did not play well, they were not focused, and it just takes a second especially in the NBA where everybody is super talented. It just takes a second to lose a game. And the Houston Rockets, they might be like comeback proof because they were trying. There's no doubt about that. It wasn't necessarily perfect from them or even really good execution though. And Denver was kind of saved. They did not give up a massive lead. It stayed at about 16 to 18 points for the majority of it. And they were never in real any real danger. But Michael Malone brought the starters back in at that six-minute mark. And he did it because he did not like the way that the team was playing. And I don't blame him for that. If you want to be a great team, you have to find a kill switch. You have to find that extra energy and that extra level of focus to put a team away And make things easy on yourself. That's one of the things that I don't think the Nuggets do very well and haven't done really well for a long time. If Jokic, Murray, and Gordon, and Porter, and and KCP, and Bruce Brown, and anybody else, like, I know Porter didn't play tonight, but if those guys come out looking to kill in the third quarter, as opposed to going through the motions, then they don't have to play in the fourth quarter. Like, I think it's a pretty simple thing. You don't have to play in the fourth quarter if you play hard in the third. Denver didn't play hard in the third. They actually lost the quarter. And as a result, 
the game was close enough that Michael Malone felt that he had to make sure that it never got fully in doubt. So the starters came back in for about three to four minutes. Order was restored. And then they left. That's what happens. That is just what happens for a lot of teams in the NBA, not just for Denver. Sometimes when you're in a situation like that where you're up about 20 points, 18 points with six minutes to go, some coaches will just leave it be. But Houston had their starters back in. So I think Michael Malone went to follow suit and was fine doing that, although it's clear that he didn't want to have to do that. Nobody wants to have to bring their starters back into a game that they feel is at least a 98% win probability. You would rather just get some other guys some reps. Obviously, that didn't happen that much tonight. And to me, it's what separates really good teams and elite teams. It did last year for Denver as well. They didn't have that gear last year where they could blow any teams out. They were fighting tooth and nail for good wins last year. And it was very rare that they could actually separate well enough to just kill a team. And that's fine. Like last year was a little bit different. You didn't have Jamal Murray last year. The team didn't really fit as well. The bench was a mess. Well, the bench is still a mess now. Denver's still trying to figure that out in general, but as they go through this process of getting Murray back, getting Porter back, figuring those guys into the system, Jokic just learning to deliver that kill switch every now and then, if Denver can get to that place where they can do that more consistently and then the bench holds on to that, Michael Malone is going to be a much happier camper in general. But the key is that Denver, they can find that gear offensively pretty easily. It is very difficult to find that gear defensively. And one of the things that really stands out about these last two games is that Denver didn't have to try hard for the full games in order to win. They didn't have to try hard for the first half on Monday. I wasn't at that game, but I watched. I saw everything. They didn't try hard that game, at least not until the third quarter. And then they really kicked it into gear in the third and fourth quarter, and it never was really in any doubt at that point. Now, they tried hard in the first half of this game, got it up to a 27-point lead, and then they coasted. And in that time, Houston made some shots. Denver missed some shots that they probably should have made. And the lead suddenly goes down to 18 or 20, and then Michael Malone's got the sphincter a little bit tight. And that's not, like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't think that, honestly, there's nothing wrong with what Denver did either. It's just about what you want to be and who you want to be. Do you want to be the team that kills people? Do you want to be the team that puts that target on your own back because of how much you're trying to run up the score? I don't know what the answer is because some teams play well when when they play like that. Phoenix, Golden State, Boston, those teams can get away with it and they play really well. When they have that kind of lead, Memphis does this too, where when you get up on a big a big lead like theirs, Jaw will go for the jugular. Brandon Clark will try to kill people. These guys will do what they can to make a 30-point margin, a 40-point margin if, if ever they can. Now, does that make you a better basketball team? I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. 
What I do think it does is it gets you into the habit of reaching that gear and then it's not really a foreign thing when you're trying to reach that gear at various points. Denver hasn't had to play that hard over the course of these first 21 games. Listen to their schedule here. They've played four total games versus teams with a top 10 offensive rating so far. You had the Boston game that they lost. You had two Utah games, one win, one loss, and then one win against Golden State. So they're two and two in those contexts. Then you have five games against teams with middle 10 offensive ratings, rated from 11 to 20. New York, Dallas twice, Indiana, and Portland. Denver's two and three in those games. So if they're two and three in those games, and they're two and two in the other games, that's four and five. Their record is 14 and seven. They are 10 and two against teams that have a bottom 10 offensive rating. One of those losses was to the Los Angeles Lakers that they absolutely shouldn't have lost. And the other, I can't really remember. Oh, it was Detroit. Like, they shouldn't have lost that game either. So, really, they should be 12-0 in those games. They aren't. And that's one of those things that we're going to learn about Denver over the course of the rest of this year. How hard do they have to try against bottom 10 offenses? Probably not hard. They're 10-2 and two against bottom 10 offenses. How hard do they have to try against top 10 offenses? Well, they tried hard in three of the four games against those top teams, Boston, Utah, Golden State. The first Utah game, they were getting their sea legs under them. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. The other three games, they tried really hard, and they were 2-1 and one in those other games. Against Boston, though, didn't really matter how hard they tried. They could not defend Boston. They found ways to get stops against Utah, against Golden State. They could not get stops against Boston. We're going to find out if that's real or not real. If they can get stops against other teams, or if they're just going to have to rely upon an elite offensive rating the entire time. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what it's going to look like, but what I do know is that it's hard to tell how hard you have to play against bad teams, especially against bad offenses where everything just looks not functional. Houston does not look functional. They are not a good team. Denver, I don't know what their defense is going to look like against better teams. They might try harder against better teams. And if they do, then they might look similar where you can hold a team like that. Like, let's say, I don't know, Dallas. They held Dallas to 97 points without Jokic, Gordon, and Murray. That's pretty good. That was really good effort from them in that game. They played Indiana. Didn't really hold Indiana down at all. Portland didn't hold them down at all. New York. Uh, they were fine against New York. It was it was bad clutch offense in general, not necessarily defense. But I don't think Denver's going to have to try too terribly hard in those games either. You've got to be better. You have to be more consistent. You have to be. You have to stay out of foul trouble, things like that. But I do think that asking for forty eight minutes of effort is wrong, especially at this stage. It's one of those things that I've talked about before about building good habits. One of the habits that Denver has to build 
is being a great third quarter team. Because if you're a great third quarter team, you can have a bad first and second quarter and then still be saved by that. Good third quarter teams are generally great teams in general. Who has the best net rating in the third quarter so far? Number one, the Phoenix Suns. Number two, OKC. That's how they keep games close, by the way. They aren't very good in the first halves, and they aren't very good in fourth quarters. But they're really great in third quarters. Number three, Milwaukee. Number five, Boston. Number seven, the Clippers. Number eight, the Warriors. You have to scroll all the way down to 18 to get to the Nuggets. And what that says to me, that's the quarter that you have to change. Denver in first quarters is spectacular. They are, I think, the best team in first, oh, second best team. Boston has a plus 20.7 net rating. Denver has a plus 20.4 net rating in first quarters. That is a skill, and it's really great. Denver deserves a lot of credit for that. They get bored with their own success in the third quarter. They get apathetic. They get bored. They give up eight to three runs at the beginning of every quarter, basically, and then they have to make up for that. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. But I do think that if we're thinking about when Denver has to give effort, when is the right time to be playing hard? It's not for 48 minutes. It's about finding the times where you need to be most successful. It's coming out of halves, out of quarters, end of quarters, finding the specific runs, getting off to a good start, closing well. In the middle, it is what it is. Everything under the sun can happen in the middle of a quarter. But at the beginning and at the end is when the really good teams know how to execute, know how to turn it on, and can really earn wins in those brief moments. The last three minutes and the first three minutes of every quarter, those are essential for being the best possible team you can be. Denver, they do a great job in the first quarter of that. They do a horrible job in the third quarter of that. So if we're talking about how important it is to play hard, it's about when you play hard, not necessarily for 48 minutes. I don't expect the Nuggets to play hard for 48 minutes. It's November. It's about to be December. Hey, happy December 1st, everybody. But I do think that Denver can find better times to play hard. Because if you just rely on getting off to a good start and then coasting, there are going to be teams that hit you in the mouth in those first quarters, like a Boston, like a Phoenix, like a Golden State, who knows. But there are going to be teams that outscore Denver in the first quarter. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. And so what are you going to do if the game is close at that point? Denver's got to figure that out. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. I will be back tomorrow podcasting about something or other. I have no idea at this point what I'm going to talk about, but I am going to talk about something. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon. Bye.